Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, from the arts to sports, and from business to history, and everything in between, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. Today, our regular contributor, Bill Brake brings us a fascinating story about the day British troops finally left American soil after the end of the Revolutionary War. Here's Bill. The British Army held New York City for two years after Cornwallis surrendered to George Washington at Yorktown on October 19, 1781. The city's population had fallen below 10,000. Most of the residents were loyalist refugees from revolutionary terrorism. Accident, disaster, and the war had disrupted civic life. The Great Fire of September 21, 1776 had burned everything between Whitehall and Broad Streets, as far up Broadway as Rector Street and as far up Broadway as Beaver Street. Rents had risen 400% within the first year of occupation. The price of food and other goods and services, 800%. The Provincial Assembly, City Council, and courts were dormant, although nothing indicates the politicians had stopped drawing their salaries. The city was governed by the British Army, and its government, in the absence of a free press, had become corrupt. Some New Yorkers made fortunes. Mr. Joshua Loring, who had pimped his blonde wife to General Sir William Howe to gain appointment as commissary of prisoners, became wealthy by selling provisions meant for prisoners of war on the black market. Others cloaked their sadism in the red coat. Captain William Cunningham, the provost marshal, commanded the jails and prison ships holding American prisoners of war. The Sons of Liberty had roughed him up before the war. He repaid the debt with interest. He enjoyed torturing people. 
According to Burroughs and Wallace's Gotham, Cunningham admitted to murdering as many as 2,000 American prisoners by starvation, hanging, or poisoning their flour rations with arsenic. At night, he swaggered through his domains, wearing the red coat with silver lace and epaulets, the cocked hat, the powdered wig, and the tall, glossy boots and spurs, with a whip in his hand, sending his prisoners to bed, shouting, Kennel ye, sons of Kennel ye. On November 30th, 1782, the American and British delegates signed preliminary articles of peace. The first article reads, His Britannic Majesty acknowledges the said United States to be free and independent states. The articles were proclaimed in the king's name from the steps of the city hall on Wall Street. The loyalists were horrified. William Smith, a longtime resident, merchant, and fervent loyalist, wrote that the news shocks me as much as the loss of all I had in the world and my family with it. Thousands sold everything, furniture, houses, land, goods at fire sale prices and prepared to leave. A few committed suicide. A few were confident of their ability to survive any change of regime. James Riker recorded that a New Yorker said to his tailor, how does business go? Not very well, the tailor replied. My customers have all learned how to turn their own coats. Sir Guy Carleton, commander-in-chief of His Majesty's forces in North America, began organizing his command's withdrawal from the city in April 1783. Concerned about personal reprisals against the loyalists, he held out until every Tory who wanted to get out had left. In the meantime, his staff arranged transportation, settled accounts, paid bills, and auctioned off huge quantities of army surplus. The first 5,000 loyalists left New York for Nova Scotia and New Brunswick on April 27, 1783. Thousands more followed. With them were numerous African-Americans, former slaves, freed by the British military government for their services in the king's armies. On September 3, 1783, Americans, British, French, and Spanish signed the Treaty of Paris. The news reached New York in early November. On November 21, 1783, Carleton ordered all British forces to withdraw from Long Island and Upper Manhattan. That morning, George Washington met George Clinton, the governor of New York, at Terrytown. They rode south through Yonkers to Harlem, where they stopped at a tavern near what is now Frederick Douglass Boulevard and 126th Street. The day chosen for the evacuation was Tuesday, November 25th, 1783. It dawned cold with a bitter northwest wind. During the morning, a Mrs. Day ran up the stars and stripes over her tavern and boarding house on Murray Street, its first appearance in the city since September 1776. Captain Cunningham, resplendent in red coat and white wig, pounded on the door. Take in that flag, he roared. The city is ours until noon. He then tried to pull it down. She belted him full in the face with her broomstick, bloodying his nose, and then dealt the captain such lusty blows as made the powder fly in clouds from his wig and forced him to beat a retreat. Washington had chosen General Henry Knox to command the American troops marching from McGowan's Pass in what is now Northeastern Central Park into the city. Knox had been a bookseller, a dumpy, bespectacled little man who had read every book in his stock. The war transformed his theoretical passion for artillery after all, he'd read all the books about it, into practical experience. Behind the glasses and the big belly was the soul of a lion. And you're listening to Bill Bright tell the story of the British troops finally leaving New York. The British had come to win. And my goodness, the battle inside this country, the Loyalists taking one side, that was one-third of the country siding with the crown, one-third with the patriots, and one-third hiding under their desks, hoping for it to pass over. And New York City, chaos, people fleeing. It was an exodus. The town had 27,000 people. At certain points, it got down to 8,000. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, the British finally leaving America once and for all, 
That story here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we're back with Our American Stories and the story of Evacuation Day, the now-forgotten holiday which celebrated the 25th of November in 1783. On that day, the British armies finally left the now-free United States after the Revolutionary War. When we last left off, Bill Bright was telling us how General Washington had chosen a bookseller-turned-general to take over as the British left our new country. Here's Bill to tell us more about General Henry Knox. In 1775, in the dead of winter, he inspired Continentals and militiamen to drag the cannons seized at Ticonderoga in the name of the great Jehovah and the Continental Congress to Albany and across the Berkshires to Washington's army at Boston, and he had marched with them. As a boy, I noticed a monument near my family's home in Latham, New York. It read, Through this place, past General Henry Knox, 
in the winter of 1775-1776 to deliver to General George Washington at Cambridge the train of artillery from Fort Ticonderoga used to force the British army to evacuate Boston. Knox set out early from McGowan's Pass, heading a column of some 800-foot dragoons and artillery. He paused at the Bowery and 3rd Avenue, near today's Cooper Union, until 1 p.m., chatting with the British officers commanding the Redcoats standing a block or so before him. The last British detachments now received orders to move. They moved down the Bowery and Chatham Street, picking up their outposts as they passed, and wheeling into Pearl Street, marched to the East River wards where they were rowed to the fleet. Knox followed the British down Chatham Street and then turned onto Broadway. He marched south to Capes Tavern, a little below Trinity Church, and formally took possession of New York City in the name of the United States. On receiving a message from Knox that he had done so, Washington swung into the saddle and rode downtown, Governor Clinton at his side. At the new jail, at the northeast corner of today's City Hall Park, Captain Cunningham paraded the Provo Guard for the last time. Accompanied by the hangman in his yellow jacket, Cunningham's command passed between a platoon of British troops, which fell in behind them as they marched down Broadway. They and the City Hall's main guard thus became the last enemy forces in history to occupy New York City. Washington rode down Pearl Street to Wall Street and then went on Wall to Broadway. At Cape's Tavern, a group of citizens welcomed the commander-in-chief. An eyewitness said, The troops just leaving us were as if equipped for show and with their scarlet uniforms and burnished arms made a brilliant display. The troops that marched in, on the contrary, were ill-clad and weather-beaten and made a forlorn appearance. But then they were our troops, and as I looked at them and thought upon all they had done for us, my heart and eyes were full, and I admired and gloried in them the more because they were weather-beaten and forlorn. The British had left the Union flag flying over Fort George on the battery. The halyards, the lines for raising and lowering the flag, were gone. The banner had been nailed to the staff. And the pole was greased, heel to truck, to prevent or hinder the removal of the emblem of royalty and the raising of the stars and stripes. The grease rebuffed all efforts to climb the staff. In the crowd was Captain John Van Arsdale, a New Yorker, revolutionary soldier, and peacetime sailor. Recalling Peter Goulet's hardware store about 10 minutes away in Hanover Square, he sprinted across town and liberated a saw, hatchet, cleats, rope, and nails. He began nailing the cleats into the greasy pole. He climbed a little, drove in more cleats, and climbed farther. Bit by bit, he ascended the pole. He reached the top. He ripped down the British flag and flung it to the cheering crowd. Then he attached new halyards and scrambled down the pole as the stars and stripes ran up it. General Knox's field guns began a 13-gun salute. As the colors went up and the cannon roared, the British weighed anchor and made for the open sea. That night, Washington and his officers met with General Clinton in France's tavern at Broad and Pearl Street for a feast of reason and a flow of soul. They offered 13 toasts to allies, friends, comrades living and dead, their hopes for their new country, and certain immutable principles. The next nine days were marked by what one observer called good humor, hilarity, and mirth. Thus, at Governor Clinton's dinner for the French ambassador on Tuesday, December 2nd, 1783, his 120 guests consumed 135 bottles of Madeira, described as... It may not look like much, but it can fell an elephant. 36 bottles of port, 60 bottles of beer, and 30 bowls of punch, while breaking 60 wine glasses and 8 cut glass decanters. On Thursday, December 4th, Washington breakfasted with his officers in the long room on the second floor of France's tavern. Then the commander-in-chief rose to his feet, and there was silence. Most intelligent warriors who have written of their experiences from Xenophon to William Manchester admit that they fought not for king, flag, or country, but for the guys they were with. 
The revolutionaries were no exception. Washington said, with a heart full of love and gratitude, I now take leave of you. I most devoutly wish that your later days may be as prosperous and happy as your former ones have been glorious and honorable. Then he could say no more. General Knox stepped forward, embraced him, and both men wept. At last, composure regained. The commander-in-chief went down the stairs, popped on his cocked hat, and strode into Pearl Street. The infantryman snapped to present arms. He acknowledged the salute. Then he walked west. Orders were barked. The column moved out behind him. Near the battery, at the foot of Whitehall Street, a barge waited to take him to Paulus Hook on the New Jersey shore. From there, he traveled to Philadelphia, where he resigned his commission to Congress and returned to private life. November 25th was celebrated as Evacuation Day in New York for more than a century. But Evacuation Day was gradually overwhelmed by R.H. Macy's aggressive promotion of Thanksgiving, a rival end-of-November holiday. Around the beginning of the First World War, it faded away. Yet in 1983, through the support of Manhattan Borough President Andrew Stein, New York City commemorated the bicentennial of the evacuation. A parade marched down Broadway to the Battery, featuring hundreds of reenactors in the uniforms of the British and Continental Forces. The British Union flag was flying from the staff of Castle Clinton. Then Harry Van Arsdale, the Union leader and direct descendant of Captain Van Arsdale, stepped forward to lower the British colors, which were presented to Her Majesty's Consul General, who kissed them. Van Arsdale clipped the stars and stripes to the lanyards and ran it up the pole. A dozen brass muzzle-loader cannon along the battery began firing a salute, and the crowd cheered wildly. On August 16th, 1824, Marie-Joseph-Paul-Yves Gilbert de Mottier, Marquis de Lafayette, the last living general of the revolution, the hero of two worlds, landed at the Battery to begin his tour of the United States. Tens of thousands were awaiting him. Among them was a company of veterans of the revolution. The Marquis insisted on inspecting them and slowly walked down the line, greeting and shaking hands with each man. Lafayette took a second look at the last man. Then he smiled. Van Arsdale, he said, I remember you. Then the captain who had ascended the flagpole and the Marquis who had been a major general at 19 embraced. And we thank Bill Bright for that beautiful storytelling. And my goodness, well, that's why we do what we do here at Our American Stories. Uh, what we've lived through as a country, what George Washington did. Evacuation Day, the day the British troops finally leave America in 1783. Put that on your celebration calendar, folks. What a great day, especially if you're New Yorkers. This is Our American Stories. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And we continue with our American stories. And now it's time for our American Dreamers series, which is sponsored by the great folks at the Job Creators Network. And they work hard to help small businesses grow into bigger ones by fighting for public policies that effectuate such things. And today, we bring you the story of someone who likely is name you don't know, and his name is Kemens Wilson, but you definitely know the iconic brand that he brought us. Here is his son, Kemens Wilson Jr., with the story. In 1951, we took a family vacation to Washington, D.C., and we had a big station wagon, and my father was going up there, I think, you know, again, this was a dual family vacation business trip. My two brothers, two sisters, all piled in the car, no air condition, and what a funny story, we had a luggage rack on top. And partway through the trip, that suitcase flew off. And my brother Bob said, hey, Dad, he said, don't bother me, I'm driving. And Dad, be quiet. And they just kept driving. Hey, Dad, I need to be quiet. So we get to some, I guess the next gasoline station. And he looks up and like, what is wrong? What, what, where is this? So my brother Bob said, well, I was trying to tell you, that the suitcase fell off. So we drove back and our clothes were all over the road. They had tar all over them. Back in those days, you know, the road had a lot of tar. And so we basically had to throw them away and, and buy some new ones. But the real story there was that back in those days, they were mostly sole proprietor and mom and pop motel cabana cabin owners that had motel-type rooms. Now, the big cities had the aristocratic downtown hotels that were very expensive. So you would, the situation was such that you actually had to go in and inspect a room before you agreed to stay there. And that was for a lot of reasons. You know, you wanted to see how big it was, was it clean? I remember, I was six at the time, sitting in the car, my dad would walk up to the little office, and then he and the manager may walk out to see a cabana. And then many times he'd just walk straight back to the car and said, hey, it's, it, it wasn't big enough or it was too dirty. 
and we're gonna have to just keep driving. And you know, back in those days, you didn't know how far the next place was. So at any rate, we finally got to a place, and of course, as children, we all wanted to stay at one that had a swimming pool because it was the summer, it was hot. But we, we got to this one property and my dad went and looked at the room, came back and said, okay, kids, this is good. So we all piled into one single room and my brothers and sisters, we had sleeping bags, so we slept in the sleeping bags. And the deal he had made with the hotel owner was the room would cost $6. So the next morning, he goes to check out, and the guy charged him $16. And he said, wait a minute, now we, you know, we agreed yesterday, it's $6. Well, why is it 16 He said, well, I charged $2 extra for every child. And of course, there were five of us, so the $6 turns into 16 And that was the spark that was in my father's head when he said, you know, this is just not fair. We didn't use any more water or towels or linens or, and the guy said, well, buddy, that's the way it is. And he realized at that moment that this was a huge untapped market. And he made the determination then that he was gonna come back to Memphis and build a chain of hotels. And he told my mother, that day that he was going back to Memphis to build 400 hotels across the country, mostly a day's drive from one another. And he said, furthermore, they're all gonna have some standardization. They're all gonna be the same size. They're all gonna be clean. We're gonna have a restaurant in every one. We're gonna have a lounge in every one. We're gonna have a swimming pool in every one. We're gonna have a Gideon Bible in every one. You know, we're gonna have a pastor on call. We're gonna have a doctor on call. Because he felt like, I'm just a normal guy. And, you know, if, if I like this, I think everybody ought to like this. <laughs> and so my mother laughed at him. And obviously that gave him great incentive to prove her wrong. So sure enough, he came back to Memphis and he started, he was a frustrated architect. He loved drawing. So he went to a guy named Eddie Bluestein. He was a draftsman, not technically an architect. And my father knew exactly what he wanted in a hotel. And one of the reasons for that was he had the background in construction. So he knew that lumber comes in 12 foot lengths and carpet comes in 12 foot lengths and widths. So it's not surprising that the room that he designed was 12 foot in width because that was the lumber. You didn't have to cut the lumber. You know, if it was 13 feet, you'd have to add some. If it was 11, you'd have to subtract something. And really, even today, that's, that's still the standard size room. You know, you'll, you'll find some a little bigger, some a little smaller, but he really, set that in motion. So Eddie Bluestein drew the plan that my dad told him. And you know, all architectural plans on the bottom left or bottom right, they have the name of the project. And it just so happens that he had watched the movie Holiday Inn the night before. And so he drew on the plans Holiday Inn. And he brought them to my dad the next day and my dad said, this is great, I like it. He said, what in the world was this on the plans? He said, well, I don't know. He said, it was just, uh, I saw the movie, I, I liked the name, and he said, you know, Eddie, I, I like that too. <laughs> and so, sure enough, uh, that's how it happened. And, and one of the things that really kind of has always impressed me in a sense was, and it may tell you a little bit about my dad's ego, that Mr. Hilton called his Hilton Inns uh, Hiltons and Mr. Marriott calls his Marriott's. And Dad, he was happy with Holiday Inns. And you know, probably 30 years later, after the company was sold, they became the Promise Company, P-R-O-M-U-S, Promus. 
was how they pronounced it. And Dad had long since retired, and we found out that they paid a half a million dollars for some think tank to come up with that name. And here, Eddie Bluestein, you know, gives him an iconic name. And you're listening to Kemmins Wilson Jr. tell the story of his dad. And by the way, so many of our American Dreamers stories are just this story. An ordinary guy trying to solve a problem. Here he is checking into a hotel and not even knowing what he's going to get. And then he finally picks one he likes on this trip and finds out he's being charged 10 extra bucks. $2 an extra kid meant something. And he said, that's not fair. And then he went home and he designed a business to solve a problem. Standardization, same size, same cleanliness, a pool in everyone, a Bible in everyone, a pastor on call, a doctor on call. In other words, what he'd want for his own family. When we come back, more of this remarkable American story, an American dreamer's story, the story of Holiday Inn, and the story of one guy trying to solve a problem for his family and families, particularly working class families, across this great country. Our story continues here on Our American Stories. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we continue with our American stories and with the story of Holiday Inn and its founder, Kemmins Wilson. And by the way, this is a Memphis story, too, and a great Southern story. And we broadcast here in Oxford, Mississippi, just an hour south of Memphis in a beautiful, small college town. Let's return to his son, Kemmins Wilson Jr., on the story of his dad and the iconic brand he created. 
called Holiday Inn. Somebody asked my dad one time, why did you decide on sort of the, the market for Holiday Inns, which is really, you know, moderate price, you know, family or, you know, rather than be upscale or whatever. And my dad would always say there, there's more people in the middle than there are at the top. One of the interesting things that my father wanted to do too was to make a statement with the sign. And he had a friend named Harold Bolton who was in the sign business. And he and Harold designed this, what some would call iconic, some would call gaudy, huge neon sign with the arrow pointing to wherever the hotel was. And my dad felt that you know, that was important. If you could see the sign, you knew what it was. And the sign had a little marquee on it where you could change the message out every day. You know, like buffet tonight or kids stay free. Uh, and that was one of the, the gifts that my dad said he wanted to give to the industry. And that is that kids stay free if they stay in the same room with their parents. And he, he sort of forced all the other hotel chains to kind of do that at the time. But y'all, you've certainly seen, and especially back in those days, just about every hotel or motel had a vacancy, no vacancy sign. Now, he did not want that. He wanted that totally eliminated because he wanted a person to stop, to actually get out of the car, come in to the hotel, and if they didn't have a room at that particular hotel, the desk clerk was to call around to all the other hotels and find that person a room because he felt that he could win, uh, while he may lose a customer for that night, he may win a customer for the rest of his life. So he, he builds this one successful hotel in Memphis and he went and built three more. Now this was way before the interstate system, so he built them at, at on the north, south, east, and west entries into town. So if you were coming to Memphis, Tennessee, you had to pass a Holiday Inn. And they were all done very well. And so we went to build number five, and the banker said, hey, you're tapped out. You know, you're out of credit. We can't lend you any more money. And so his dream of the hotels across the country was jeopardized. I cannot even build the fifth holiday in, much less the 400th. What are we gonna do? And that's when he sat down and came up with the theory of franchising where they would license a person and that person had to adhere to a certain set of standards. And if you didn't, they could take your license away. So he started the franchise business. Even today, you know, it's about 80% franchise and about 20% company owned, so to speak. You know, one of the things he was most proud of in all of his life was he said that he's created a lot of millionaires. And he really had. I mean, at one time in the 60s, they were building a hotel, was opening every two and a half days. And I think a room was opening every 20 minutes or something. So it was incredibly explosive. And then when the interstate system hit, you know, the timing was, you know, perfect and right. And my father probably personally inspected every Holiday Inn site, I, I don't know, maybe the first 500 of them. Well, one of the uh, funny things was Early on in Holiday Inns, they didn't have much representation in the West Coast. It was mostly in the South. When it started growing, it you know went Northeast and a little Midwest, but not much on the coast, so to speak. And so Dad got a call from Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, and McDonald's was flourishing at the time. They were still young. He had bought it from McDonald Brothers and. He had visions of, you know, how, to, how do I expand that business? And Holiday Inns was already actively in the franchise business. So 
Dad was really excited when Ray Kroc said, I'd like to come to Memphis and talk to you about getting a Harley and franchise. And so he did. And of course they, you know, rolled out the red carpet, you know, gave him all the franchise agreements, explained everything to him about the ins and outs of it. And of course they would say, look, you know, we sure, you know, hope you got some sites out there that, you know, I mean, he talked about, oh, I can build a Holiday in here and put a McDonald's here. And so they, they thought, look, we may have hit the jackpot. And so he goes back to California and it just goes silent. And there's no dialogue, no nothing. He never calls back. My father calls him and everybody in the organization is, is trying to get a hold of him. And they literally found out really all he wanted was the actual franchise agreement so they could, I mean, I'm sure they didn't copy it verbatim, but, you know, they white out to haul in and put McDonald's in there. But obviously we know the history of that. So we, we joke around and we say, well, my dad gave Ray Kroc his start, yeah. which is kind of neat. And, and, you know, jumping back, you know, the, the biggest success for Holland's, in my mind, was the standardization. That nobody, until that time, everything, every hotel room, place was different. By standardizing this, and as you expand, people knew exactly what to expect when they went to a Holiday Inn. They didn't have to go in and look at the room. You know, they just went in, checked in, went to their room, and. There was a great advertisement years ago. They said the best surprise is no surprise, stay at Holiday Inn. And that was really, to me, captured the essence of what he did. Well, you know, I, I think about the, he told us one day, uh, long after this, uh, we were quizzing him about kind of growing up and stuff. And he said he and his mother ate bread and beans for an entire year. Back during the, the deep, deep depression. Her husband, my dad's father died when he was nine months old. So he was completely raised by his mother. She got a job as a, a bookkeeper just to kind of, you know, have some money to come in. But, well, you know, he, he had to, uh, drop out of high school when he was in his senior year. And he had to drop out because his mother had gotten terminated at her job. So he was basically the breadwinner. He had to go hustle. But what she did, she was his biggest encourager, his Barnabas. She told him there was nothing in the world he couldn't do. I mean, she absolutely adored him. He could do no wrong and again, I mean, you know, she was she was the one whispering in his ear, you know, you can do it when the world says, no way you can do this. And really her her life, you know, became his life. And you know, today we would call her a helicopter mom, right? That she was just all over him. But I you know, I'm sure she saw in him, a leader, someone who can make things happen, someone who's aggressive and can be successful. So she just undermined that with daily, you can do it, hang in there, there's nothing you can't do. So it, it was, uh, I mean, that springboarded him into his life of having confidence and being able to to just be successful. And the, the, the thought of not even graduating from high school and going on to be the founder and CEO of one of the largest iconic companies in the world is just amazing to me. And great job as always to Alex for all the work he does on these pieces. And a special thanks to Kemmons Wilson Jr. for sharing the story of his father and what a story it is. And by the way, for more of this great American story, make sure to pick up Kemen's book, Half Luck and Half Brains, the Kemen's Wilson Holiday Inn story, a father-son story, 
a family story and a working class family turning, well, hard work into success here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. <laughs> 